I'd like to invite you, if you would join me today, to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter 11, if you have your Bibles. And again, to all of our guests that are here, we're extremely honored that you would join us. And uh, Amen. Whether, whether you are here today because it's Mother's Day or you're here because someone told you to come be with us in church and, and whatever that case may be, we're very honored that you're here with us and honored that you would spend time with us in the house of the Lord. Amen. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 23 is where we'll begin our reading today. I thank God, I thank God for the church. I thank God for this sweet church and for you people. And uh, you're the reason why we're here. If you didn't walk through the doors every week, we'd have no reason to be here. But I'm thankful for faithful people that love God, love the kingdom of God. And you're making a major difference. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 23. If you're there, say amen. amen. By faith. Let's say that together, could we? By faith. By faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. And by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. It goes on to say that it was through faith that he kept the Passover. And it was by faith that they passed through the Red Sea. And it was by faith that the walls of Jericho came down. And we understand all of this transpired because of our opening text this morning by faith when he was born his parents hid him for three months I want to talk to you today about the faith of a mother let us pray great God we thank you for your loving kindness your tender mercies thank you for the joy of the Lord that is our strength I pray today in Jesus' mighty name that you would strengthen your church, strengthen your pe people. I pray a special blessing over all of our moms here today, God, that you would touch them and bless them. Great is their reward. I pray today for a special anointing to rest on your servant as we break the word of life, the bread of life before your people. May there be fertile soil to receive the seed of the word of God. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. And God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Find somebody close to you that you know is a mom today and tell them, Happy Mother's Day. Now, I'm going to be as brief as I can today in my remarks 
But I want to preach to you from some real life experiences as well as principles that we find in the scripture. And I want to begin by telling you on a personal note, if I could, how grateful I am for a lady in my life that the world would more than likely put in the category of an overprotective mother. I am grateful to have a mother in my life that the world says she's too close-minded. I'm grateful that I was raised by a mother who gave me no option but to be faithful to the house of God. And I want to say to you today that if you are a mother doing your best to raise your children in the admonition of the truth and in faithfulness to the house of God, it really doesn't matter what category the world puts you in. I want you to know in my eyes, and I believe in the eyes of the Lord, you are a hero of the faith today. I thank God for closed-minded mothers who tell their children there's some things we just don't do. And there's some places we just don't go. And there's some things we just don't say. And there's some ways we just don't act. I know some of you raised your children in that way and they, they departed from it. But the scripture said that if we'll raise our children in the truth that when they're old, they will not depart. Now just because they may have abandoned or left the attendance of faithfulness to the house of God, it does not mean that what you've instilled in them has departed from them. And whether you want to believe this or not, I'm telling you what I believe in my heart is that there are still nights they lay their head down in bed and they hear the things that their mother has instilled in their heart. There are women that have been precious in the eyes of God that have been faithful in this church and they've passed on to the other side and now their soul is with the Lord but I make you a promise that they still speak from the grave today and the things that they taught their children it still lives on in the hearts of this church. There is, there is seemingly a conviction that's not of God but it rests on the hearts of women who do their best to keep their children in the house of God and in the presence of God. And they get, they get to the place where they feel guilty because their children are quote-unquote missing out on things. But when I was a boy, my dad used to preach a sermon. I heard him preach it many times when we were on the evangelistic field about all the things that he missed out on. And he preached this sermon so eloquently and full of conviction and passion about the things that your children are going to miss out on because you make them come to the house of God. And I'll never forget him preaching that with such passion in his voice that your children have missed out on being drunk for the first time in their life. And your children have missed out on becoming alcoholics. And your children have missed out on being drug addicts and your children have missed out on losing their virginity at the prom and your children have missed out Hey, thank God for moms who are willing to make their children miss out on a few things. I stand before you today and say thank God for an overprotective mother. I've never been drunk in my life. I've never drank for pleasure at all in my life. Never have I been drunk. Never have I taken drugs in my life. Thank God for a mother who would not let me do some of the things that I wanted to do. 
Why are you saying this, Pastor? Because the scripture said it was by faith. When Moses was born that his parents hid him. Moses was born in a society where he could have been anywhere, done anything he wanted to do. As a matter of fact, I believe it's my opinion that the precedent was set that any Hebrew child who wanted to act like an Egyptian would have been applauded by the Egyptians. If they wanted to leave the sacred vows and commandments of God that were hidden in their hearts, I believe that it would have been applauded by the Egyptians that these kids wanted to leave the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I stand before you today not to sound negative or derogatory, but I want it to be crystal clear today that Egypt being a type and shadow of the world, if I may respectfully submit to you today, Egypt is after your children. Egypt wants your children. Egypt wants to destroy the destiny of your children. I, I, I was randomly this week going through some, some old sermons that I had preached. And last year, uh, in the month of March, I believe it was, I, I was, I was scrolling through this sermon. And I got to uh, just a few minutes into the sermon. And I remember the night that I said, I said this in the church and it made some people mad because they thought it was a political statement. But I said that night in that sermon on a Wednesday night, I said, we need to pray because there is a bill right now, H.R. 5, that's trying to make it through the Senate that's going to allow children to choose their own sex. And it made people mad in this church that night because they thought I was being political. Well, I want to tell you that a month, a year and two months later, we're dealing with it and they're teaching it in our schools. Your children are being led as sheep among wolves and it has become the normal. But I want to tell you today, I applaud every mom that hides their children from what the world says is normal. This is not about political preference. This is about the fact that you're raising your children in Egypt and Egypt wants your children. I'm telling you today that what this world is submitting as normal will never be normal to God's people. The culture of Egypt will never be normal to God's people. I thank God for a closed-minded mother that hid me and told me you do not have a right to choose as long as you live in this house. When your children are given the right to choose, and I'm not just speaking about sexuality, I'm talking about things in their lives at all. You know this is a fact. When kids have a, a choice to choose, they're going to. They're, go they're going to choose. You ask kids if, if you want them. And now, I can tell you there's been a change in this old boy, but you ask kids when they're young, do you want to go to St. Elmo and get filet mignon or you want to go to Dairy Queen and get ice cream? You know what they're going to say? Now, when I put away childish things. Because if I get to choose between a good ribeye that's marbled just right, cooked just right, or an ice cream, I'm going to take a ribeye every time. But this, this ought to tell you something about society. When a kid can pick between a, a $75 or $100 piece of steak or a $4.50 
bowl of ice cream, and you know what they're going to pick, and it's not healthy for them that our kids have, have absolutely no, no mental capacity to be choosing at six years old whether they're going to be a male or a female. You know what our kids need to know? That God created man in his image. In his image created he male and female. God created them in his image. Our kids need to know it's normal that every time the church doors are open, you're going to be in the house of God. Every time there's Sunday school, you're going to be in your Sunday school class. Every time there's children's church, you're going to be in the house of the Lord. Mother, don't you feel bad for hiding your children today? It's by faith that we hide our children. We all look at Moses and the power of, of, of his ministry and life, and my goodness, how incredible it was. He was the voice that God used to bring his people out of the bondage of Egypt after 400 plus years. But I tell you that the ministry of the deliverer did not start in a powerful prayer room where he was called. Now, I understand that he met with God face to face at a burning bush. But you hear me teach all the time how scripture is explicit about some things and implicit about others. And I want to tell you today that Moses' ministry did not start at a burning bush. Moses' ministry started when he was by himself with a woman that would speak the name of God in his ear every day. If you want your children to do mighty things, they're not going to be introduced to mighty things standing behind a pulpit. They're going to be introduced to mighty things in the quiet of your home while the rest of the world sits in front of a television and watches all of these things that's equipping them to flow right into the natural course of what society is saying. But their powerful ministry of deliverance will begin in a moment when a mother and a father look at them and say, we're not like everybody else, and we don't do everything the world does. There is a difference in us. Separation from the world is something that is taught by a mother and a father who are willing to let their kids, and I hate using this language, but I'm using the language the world throws at us, but they're willing to let their kids be the weird ones. I, uh, I was talking to a couple of men yesterday. Bishop and I drove to Martinsville to, to pick up uh, my two youngest girls. They had been at a retreat with preacher's kids, and uh, I was talking to some of the youth committee, Brother Jordan, and they told me about one of the, uh, one of the families that, that are connected uh, in their schools, in the, in the school system, teaching not very far from here at all, and uh, it was a, a sister of, of one of the youth committee members that's, that's involved in teaching in a public school in the fifth grade. And the story, I don't understand all the fullness of it, but they were, they were explaining very briefly to me. They were asking me about PCA and some things of our school and how would you get started and, and what did you have to do. And so we were, we were talking briefly. And this, this minister told me, he said, Brother St. Clair, it's become a necessity for us in the church 
to get focused somehow on our kids in a kindergarten through 12th process in the formative years. He said that this, this family member of his, I, I, I guess it was in the same school maybe they teach or a friend of theirs that teaches, that there was a fifth grader this week, a fifth grader, that had been, uh, had been wetting his bed at night and was so afraid of, of what was going on uh, in his life that he would, he would get up in the middle of the night after he'd wet the bed and take his sheets to the dryer and he would dry them out. Well, as moms are, because you guys have this amazing intuition, she picked up that there was something going on. And so she asked him, she said, why, why, why are you doing this, babe? Because he wasn't washing his sheets. He would just take them in and dry them. And so I'm not being crude, but it, it's for obvious reasons. She started noticing that there was something going on in his, in, in his room. And when she caught him washing or drying his sheets, he just broke down and began to weep. He is in fifth grade and was being sexually abused by fellow fifth graders in the bathroom at school. And he told his mom, he said, I was too afraid to say anything. And he said, I've gone to bed scared every night. And I woke up wet in the bed at night. And he said, I was trying to hide it from you. Listen, I'm going to say this boldly today. Because as a pastor, you only get so many chances to preach things like this. And I'm going to preach it to you. If we don't learn to hide our kids in the church... Our kids are going to be hiding things from us. I'm not telling you to live your life afraid. That's not of God. It is not of God for you to live afraid. But it is the will of God for you to know where your kids are, what's going on in their lives. Hey, listen, you're not pushy because you ask questions. Thank God for a mom that wouldn't get off my back. I know when I was a kid, there, was, there were days that when she'd look away, I'd roll my eyes. Why did you wait till she looked away, you say? Because I wanted to keep my teeth. Oh, she wouldn't have. Oh. You have to be careful everything you say. You have to dance around with words all the time because people listen that don't have pure intentions. You understand what I'm saying? But you, you just hear it from the heart of your pastor today. I don't care what society says. Your Bible says it is the will of God for you to spare not the rod in the life of your children. I, I'm sorry today if this is not complimentary to the flow of society. I'm not talking about being abusive. As a matter of fact, if you're abusive to your children, you ought to have a mud hole stomped in you. I'm not talking about being abusive, but I'm talking about there's some young people that have attitude problems that would be fixed pretty quick. If we would learn that we are not their enemy for telling them no. 
I'm, I'm not being silly when I say this today, but it, it, it's kind of comical looking back on it. My mother and I have laughed about it. There was no laughing when it happened. But we've laughed about it since. I was about 16 years old, and I said something that, that was smart, apparently. And uh, uh, she walked in there. I'm, I was six foot tall. And she ain't a real big one. She walked in there and got my dad's belt. She said, lean over that bed. You know what I said? I'm 16. You ain't going to make me lay over that bed. You know what I really said? Yes, ma'am. She gave me three licks on the backside. And I'm just being honest. It didn't hurt. I was the size of a full-grown man, but I knew what she meant. I made, the, I made the mistake when I stood up off the bed. I got three whacks. That was the standard rule. If your hand was in the way for a count of three, then it went, we added one whack every three seconds. Whoa! I'm a little weak in the knees up here right now. I stood up, and I looked at and I didn't mean it mean, but she thought I did. I said, Mother, do you feel better? And she said, yes, I do. I can't tell you today, as an almost 42-year-old man, how grateful I am for a mother that would not get off my back. If I was going out with friends, she wanted to know where you going, how many's going, who are you riding with, what time are you coming home? I want to tell you young people something today. This, this may shock some of you. But I came home 23 years ago to be full-time youth pastor at this church. January of 2000, I came, I came home. And because I, I was smart enough to make this decision... My mom and dad, we had just finished their house two years or less before that time. And uh, they had a whole end of the house that nobody was living in. So when I came home at 18, I moved back in mom and dad's house. And I didn't have to pay rent and all that. I just had a, I had a pickup truck with no payment. And my only bill was my cell phone. And so I moved in with my mom and dad. And I bought a four-wheeler, too. I did do that. And uh, I, I had already lived out on my own. I had moved to Mississippi for a short while. I had my own home that they provided for me at that church, three-bedroom, two-bathroom house. Got my own check every week. Man, I was big-timing. If I told you how much money I was making, it'd blow your mind. This, I was rolling in high cotton. They gave me a house and $200 a week. And you wonder how you do all this. I had lived on my own. I had been gone on my own. And I came home. And God as my witness and my parents as my witness. When I came home as a grown legal adult... 
and moved in with my parents. If I was not going to be home by 10 o'clock, I let my parents know every single night. And until I was engaged to be married, my parents asked me not to be on the phone after 10 o'clock at night at home. Am I telling the truth? Now, me and Jody got smart. Mainly Jody. And she bought one of them Con Air phones that would light up when it rang. So we'd shut the ringer off. I don't know why I'm telling this. So we shut the ringer off on the cordless phone. You guys, you kids don't even know how cool a cordless phone was. Until you've laid in the floor and stretched out a curly coil. When cordless phones came out, we were walking in high cotton. And we shut the ringer off on the cordless phone. We had the cool one that you stretch the antenna out and it got better. And then we turned the ringer off on the, on the, on the, uh, the, the plastic phone in Jody's room. And when Chuck and Dan would call, Sister Susan, her phone would light up, and we'd see it light up in the room, and we knew. But I'm going to tell you something. As teenagers, we were afraid that our mother and dad, I'm not talking about out painting the town red. I'm talking about plotting together to order Pizza King. That's what I'm talking about. And we were afraid that our parents would find out. So, well, your kids ought not live in fear. No, but they ought to have honor and respect. They should. And so, I, I got to reading this week preparing for Mother's Day. And I, I, looked, I looked at this passage. You know, this is, Jacobed's really easy person to preach about on Mother's Day because her son is so phenomenal and, and, and he was considered one of the greatest ever in, among God's people. But I love the way it started. It was by faith that he was hidden. It was by faith that he was hidden. Do you know why we bring our kids to the house of God every time the doors are open? Because we've got faith enough to believe that if we can keep them in the church, that it's going to make a difference in their life. I think, I thank God for it. Now, there's some things about Jacobed that we don't really know. We don't really know a lot of things about her, but let's just deal with what we do know. What we do know is that she knew when she had that son that Egypt was after him. That's what she knew. They had been told that these children, if they were boys, they were to be killed. And she knew that Egypt wanted her baby. And she knew that at any cost by faith, she needed to hide that baby. And so for three months, now I'm not, I'm not being crude here today, okay? But Gerber didn't exist when, when Moshe Rabbeinu was born. Okay? So Moses was born, 
And for three months, that woman held him on her breast and fed him and rocked him. And when he would cry, she had to figure out a way to keep him quiet for three months. Anybody in here ever been successful at keeping a baby quiet for three months? Come on now. You wonder why some of these mamas look like their eyes are rolling during church. I can tell you, I've been there. My poor wife would wake up and she'd say, oh, I wish you could feed her so bad. <laughs> I mean, me too. If you want to put that in the bottle, that's all right. There's a calming effect, that mother holding that baby. And when Egypt was coming after him, she'd rock him and say, Baby, you got to be quiet. Let mama comfort you. Let me invest in you. Let me pour into you. And there came a day, led by the Spirit of God, by faith, that she took that boy and she felt an unction by the Spirit of God to put him in an ark and to put him down in the edge of the river. Now you can mock this all you want to and you can say it was foolish all you want to. But I'm about to give props to you women in here. It's amazing the things that y'all know. It's unreal. The things that you know. And it is a gift from God that's put in the heart of women. I'm telling you, without the phone ringing, with, without getting a text, these women know when their kids are in trouble. It's amazing. I wish it wasn't such a good gift, but my mother had it supersonic speed. And they know. And something told her at three months old, God is going to use this boy. Now, this is the part we don't, have all, we don't have all the details, but what we know is there was a specific way and a specific ark, a specific floating bassinet, a certain place that she knew to take that baby to. She knew where Pharaoh's daughter was going to be bathing, and she knew the things that were going to transpire. And by faith, she walked that baby down and put him in just the right place. At just the right time. And the Bible said that Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. And heard the cry of the baby. Who had been put there by faith. And then there was a Hebrew servant that she sent. And said I want you to find me somebody. That can be a wet nurse to this baby. Because I am going to keep this baby. It was a moment that she knew. If God is going to use my child. I've got to know when to turn him loose. Mamas, I want to tell you, you can't keep your baby a baby for the rest of their life. You've got to learn to turn them loose and let them do great things for God. You can't be worried that they're going to do greater things than you did. We ought to applaud that. I want my children to see more miracles than I've ever seen. I want my children to see greater revival than I've ever seen. By faith, by faith, she put him 
in the right place and had to let God take care of the rest. She put him there. And that little Hebrew slave girl came when, when the Hebrew's daughter, uh, when Pharaoh's daughter said, I want you to find me somebody that can feed this baby. There was a mother. I believe all of this happened in a matter of hours to where Moses never missed a meal. I believe it happened that when Pharaoh's daughter heard him cry and she sent her Hebrew slave that that little girl said, I know just where to go to and I know just who to get. I'm saying this to you. If you will release your children into the ministry that God has for them, God will give you the opportunity to minister in their life. Now this part is only implicit. We don't have explicit writing about this whatsoever. But there's something unwritten in the scripture that I believe is so clearly implied. I mean, there's no way. It said, by faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hid three months. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused. And notice the language. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, he chose to not let her be his mother. How did he do that? Why did he do that? Believe it however you want to. Does anybody here got, you got any baby dolls over there? Them girls got any baby dolls? No? Anybody got a stuffed animal? Oh, come on. That's my man right there. I, l- I like your toys, Brother Nate. <laughs> Thank God for families raising their kids in church. Now, y'all believe this how you want to because it's, it's not explicit. But I'm going to tell you what I believe is implied. Moses was the man on the mountain that God gave his law to. But I don't believe that on Sinai was the first time Moses had heard the laws of God. I believe that in the house of Pharaoh... That God sent his mother, Jacobed, and that she would rock him back and forth in the house of Pharaoh. I believe that his mother, when Pharaoh's daughter would walk out of the room, I believe that as she nursed Moses, that she would rock him back and forth and she would say to him, Shema, Yisrael, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God. I believe that Moses was raised next to the heart of a rocking mother who would say to him in his ear, Son, you may be in Egypt, but you are not an Egyptian. You may be raised in Pharaoh's house, but you will never be his grandson. His, his daughter may be the one that's providing the, the food and the clothing for you, but you will never be her son. I believe she would hold him close and she'd say, baby, you're always going to be different and God's always going to have his hand on you. Someday you're going to find out that you're not like the rest of this world. There is a difference in you. By faith I hid you and by faith by faith they found you and by faith God is going to bring you out. And I know how the devil works. 
The devil takes some of you mamas that weren't raised in church and you didn't have a mother to invest in you like I'm talking about and you hold yourself accountable because nobody poured into you but that doesn't stop you from pouring into your children. I want you to know today it is a blessing from God to hold your babies close and tell them there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. Your babies, your babies need to hear it from the time they're a little bitty until they leave your house. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, pastor, I taught my kids and they walked out, but let me make you a promise. Every time they hear somebody say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, something raises up in them that says, that don't feel right. Baby, I want you to know you're always going to be different. You're never going to be like the world. As long as I have anything to do with it. I'm going to raise you in the house of God. You can believe it how you want to, but I'm telling you, I believe Jacobed had liberties with that baby. Pharaoh's daughter was busy. She just, want, she just wanted children. I don't know if she couldn't have them or what. But it wasn't Pharaoh's daughter that placed Jochebed in Moses' life. It was God that placed her there. I want to tell you something. I don't care if you had your baby out of wedlock. God has put you in your baby's life. I don't care if you had your child out of a relationship that went awry and there was pain involved in that relationship. You are God's gift to your children. You're God's gift. Here, baby, take this. Be very careful. She's sleeping. By faith, by faith, she hid him. And by faith, he refused to be called. It was by faith that he led them out. It was through faith that they crossed the Red Sea. Where did his faith come from? His faith came from his mother. His faith came from a mother that refused to let her son feel like because he was in the world that he was of the world. I got to reading and I'm almost done. I got to reading in 2 Timothy this week. When, when, when Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5. And he said to him, he said, I... Call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. Folks, Paul is talking to his son in the gospel who is going to be a mighty man of God in the New Testament church. And he said, but I call to remembrance 
the unfeigned. Another word you can use in the, in the Greek root of this word is it, it is a word that means undisguised. It's pure. It's not with hypocrisy. There's no disguise to it. He said, I want to call to remembrance the undisguised faith that's in you that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and somebody say your mama and in your mother Eunice. And he said, and I am persuaded that it's in you too. How did it get there, Timothy? It got there because your grandmother told her daughter and because your mother told you it is the will of God for us to raise generational kids in the church. He said, Timothy, you are a third generation apostolic. And the faith that's in you, it's undisguised. Because your mama didn't disguise it. And your grandmother didn't disguise it. And because of that, it's in you. It's in you. If I could conclude like this. He said, the reason Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter is because the faith of his mother was in her first. He said, the reason, Timothy, that you're going to be used of God is because faith was in your mother, and now it's in you. I want to encourage every single child of God. I know this is Mother's Day, but this is a universal word because we've got precious grandparents here today that are raising children. We got people in here that are raising their second and third sets of kids. And I commend you today. But I'm telling you, don't you ever feel guilty about taking the faith that's in you and putting that faith in another generation. If the Lord don't come back, I want this to go deeper than Eunice. I want this to go deeper than Lois. Timothy, I want you to keep investing. Timothy, I want there to be a fourth generation. I want there to be a fifth generation. When the Lord comes back, I declare it to you today. He will find faith because of a mother. Let's stand this morning, could we? When the Son of Man comes back, Will he find faith in the earth? Yes, he will. Because there's faith in a mother this morning. And a mother who has faith in her heart will take that faith and put it in her children. I want today to honor you even when you feel like you're coming short. Even when you feel like you lost your cool. Even when you feel like you said something you wish you wouldn't have said. Welcome to the club. We've all been there. But the greatest thing you could ever do is to raise your children in the house of the Lord. Raise them in the kingdom of God. Raise them in the presence of God. Well, I just don't want to force feed my kids. You know what? If you don't force feed your kids food, they'll die. When I was little, I didn't have a good appetite. My granddad would force, he'd force me, come on, eat another bite, eat another bite. 
He was successful. It worked. I said the other day, it was till, my, till I was probably seven years old. <laughs> Sister Brandy thought I said I was eating on his lap at 17 years old. I, I don't know. I don't think I was. Listen, there's going to come a time in your life where you realize, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with being close to your kids. My dad and I are closer today than we ever were in my childhood. He's my dearest friend. We, we travel together, fellowship together. We just spent a couple days together. But there comes a time in your life that you realize God didn't call you to be your kid's best friend. I hope that day comes where you can be. But you're going to have a greater friendship with them in the later years of life if you'll just be a godly parent right now and worry about being their friend later. Amen. I'm going to invite all of our moms, if you would, to come. We want you to come today and just stand in front of the church. And we're going to pray for you. If you, are, if you are a mama, I don't care if your kids are raised or you're still in the process of it right now. I just want you to come stand up here and I want you to face pastor. And this whole body today is going to pray for you. That God would strengthen you. You may have already raised your kids, but somebody's watching you. You may have already raised your children, but somebody's showing your grandchildren. Somebody is watching you. And we need good, solid, sound, apostolic women that are not ashamed of who they are. I, I want to say this today, and I don't mean this to sound inappropriate at all, but I, I mean this sincerely. You godly women are the most beautiful women in the whole wide world. You are the most beautiful women in the whole wide world. I'm so thankful. I, I, I hope this don't sound disrespectful. But I'm thankful that my wife don't walk around with her body hanging out of clothes everywhere. It's, that's not a compliment when your wife walks around showing things that God reserved for your marriage to everybody in the world. Thank you, ladies, for being godly. Thank you for being, for being a godly example. I'm going to ask everyone in this church, if you would, to extend your hands towards the front of this church. Precious ladies, if you'd just raise your hands today. We're not going to do anything weird. We just want to pray that God would strengthen you today. We're going to pray for them. Let's, church, would you just begin to pray right now for every mother that's standing here today. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that a spirit of encouragement would rest on each of them. God, we have mamas that are raising newborn babies. We have mothers of teenagers. We have moms that have already fought the big battles. But God, one thing we know for sure is we need your wisdom. We need your wisdom every day for our children's sake, for our grandchildren's sake, for the sake of the kingdom of God. We need your strength and your wisdom and your grace. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom to teach and the wisdom to reprove and rebuke, oh God. To use your word, I pray today, Lord, that as they have invested and are investing in children, that your spirit would invest in them, that they would feel the love of this church and the love of God. I pray that the love of God would surround them today.
and that you would invest in them today. God, bless these precious women in the name of Jesus.